three and a quarter stars. Yeah, that'd be perfect. It'd mean you're good, but not good enough to feel disappointed. You just missed out on excellence. You get enough respect. <laughs> people, Good people want to work with you. Business is good, not crazy. You're right below the radar where you get to mind your own business. That's a good, solid life. And this is episode 21 of They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. And Alex, I thought you were doing a Christopher Walken impression for a second, and it made me laugh. God damn it. If I if I ever have the word acting in my head, it's just Christopher Walken. <laughs> it's when you said you get you get enough respect. <laughs> you said that. Oh yeah, it's because I was reading off a script, so. Uh, if I don't Christopher Walken, I think, if I just have it memorized. But if I'm reading a script, I'm just walking it up. Well... Uh, what did we watch today, Alex? Spanglish. Spanglish. Then you explain it. Uh, the podcast? <laughs> I mean all of it. I don't I don't have like a good sum up of what Spanglish is, I guess. Uh this is a podcast where we are watching all sixty Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent movies in a row and doing a podcast about it. Uh and uh why? Why are we doing this? In order to understand what's beneath Adam Sandler, what his artistic view is, and if he deserves all the hate. Mostly if he deserves all the hate. You know, I this movie is not really my thing, uh, but I can see where they were going with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about the Sandler. This is a one Sandler star movie. It stars Adam Sandler. I wouldn't even say it stars. I think he's the third most important person in this movie. Yeah, he's just, he has a major role, but that's about it. Yes. Um, he turned down the movie Collateral to do this movie. He was going to be the taxi driver, which... I haven't seen Collateral. I don't know what that's about. I mean, the thing everyone remembers from Collateral, it was how good Tom Cruise did a cool gun trick in it. So, like, it was not a great movie. I see. But anyway, this movie, though, is a I guess it's just a drama, huh? It's a drama for sure. Um, A drama with a few romantic components Mm -hmm. and a framing device that does not work. Yeah, that that was the worst part of the movie for me. Yeah, it took me out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, This movie is told like a college admissions essay. And I'm going to tell you one thing. If anyone wrote that college admissions essay and it was like 50 pages or whatever, I would just throw it away. But that's. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's some nonsense there. Um, Yeah. But I I personally, I liked the movie. Um, No, I I did too. A little long. Um, It was. But like the ideas behind it, I think, went pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It got. It's message through, although it didn't really like strike super hard. Um, and honestly, uh, uh, Tia Leone, uh huh, she did a really good job making me fucking hate her. Oh, I hated her from the moment she was on the screen. Oh, now I remember, I think in episode zero, and mm-hmm. I think I might have mentioned this yesterday too, that when you said Spanglish had Tia, Le- Tia Leone as like the main character or whatever. I thought she was supposed to be the other part of the Spanglish duo, 
like you got your Spanish and your English, and I thought she was supposed to be playing this like the Spanish speaking person. I'm so glad that that was not the case. Oh yeah, that would have been really bad. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Um, no, like I, I go ahead. Tell me about the critic response. Is what I was going to say. Yeah. What What do you think this movie got? First off, I think this movie tried to be Oscar bait, but I think it fell short. I'm gonna say though that the critic response was still pretty good. I'm gonna give it in the 60s for critic response. An audience score? I'm going to say audience actually liked it less. I'm going to put it in the 50s. You mix it up. Ah. Critics, 53%. Audience, 60%. Um, okay. I think it should have been a little higher. I think so, too. I think, though, like, I I, I thought the movie was going to be terrible based on the name and the kind of things I remember seeing about it. I was um, expecting much more of, like, a rom-com deal. Yes, which I'm glad it wasn't. Um, there's also, like... I, there's some bad takes in the the negative review space once again. I'm sure. Um, saying that this is championing um, good old fashioned family values. I'm like, that's not what was happening. No, that is not what is happening at all. Yeah, and also the idea that this movie was handling too many issues and couldn't find the heart of the story, or is it the I... fact that like this is how complicated life gets for people of the working class dealing with the upper class. I do slightly agree with that because the framing device where it's putting it in Christina's voice, that was too much. That was a stretch too far. Yeah, but and I don't think that has to do with the issues as much. Not necessarily. I think that they're mostly all related because at its heart, this movie is a story about the struggle between assimilating into a culture mm -hmm. or staying the same and, yes. and not assimilating. And, and how that can be complicated, and there's not an answer for that of what you should and should not do. Yeah, I also really think it's funny, um, the people who said that these were stale stereotypes, quote-unquote, and I'm like, they weren't that stereotypical, no. really. Um, except for the, like, white woman who sucks, which isn't really that much of a stereotype, and that role struck super true to the rich upper class texas woman i met when i was living in texas oh my gosh which i worked as a manual laborer in texas so i got a, a good feel for how uh you get treated like that mm -hmm. um and it was rough uh, i let's recap the story real yeah. quick because i have a very short oh, recap also I, I left 28 times it was oh it's pretty funny but it was bad. pretty Actually, long i thought i thought a lot of it was pretty funny but you're right like but it's also because we've been watching these 90-minute little bit videos, mm -hmm. so when the 90 minutes rolls around, you're like, okay, it yeah. should be over, right? That's like, true. You're, mm -hmm. um, okay, I'll just get started here with this one. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the movie opens with some really bad college application essays, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I feel that as someone who has uh, advised some students on college application essay writing, uh, don't write about Mother Teresa in your college application essay. Also, Mother uh, Teresa sucked. Yeah, it's true. The movie opens with some really bad... Gosh, sorry. I'm thinking of the one essay where it was the girl talking about her privilege and how Mother Teresa taught her not to... Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. Okay. The movie opens with some really bad college application essays. Then one from Christina Moreno open, uh, begins, and it tells the story about how she's inspired by her mom. She and her mother, Flor... I can't roll my R's, I'm Lurch. sorry. 
I've tried to roll my R's before I have given it serious practice because I want to be able to. It doesn't work. My, my tongue won't do it. People have tried to coach me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can do it, but I saw the shape it just made into my mic because I don't have a super good one. So I will not be hitting you with a thousand implosives. Thanks. Um, Flora is played by Paz Vega. Um, they moved to L.A. from Mexico, and they chose L.A. because of its large Hispanic population, um, bigger than Texas's Hispanic population. Flora I don't know if it's worked... bigger as much as it is percentage-wide uh, larger. Well, that's what I meant, but just, yeah. Yeah, I just want um, I, that might matter. I don't think it yeah. does, but... Well, the thing is that all of Texas's um, Hispanic population is smaller than just L.A.'s Hispanic population. Hmm, interesting. That was, that was like, the thing that they said. Well, they said that L.A. was 48% Hispanic while Texas was 30-something. Yeah, Texas the state versus L.A. the city. Oh. But yeah. that doesn't mean there's more in L.A. than in Texas. Well, yes, true. But you're but, living in a city, not in a state. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, anyway. Yeah, it, it, it really doesn't matter. No. I just fucking love statistics. <laughs> Flora worked some low-paying jobs until her cousin Monica... Um, translates for her um for like a nanny slash housekeeper interview at the Klasky household and mrs deb Klasky, played by tia leone is a high strung woman um very privileged and is very mean to her like nasty to her daughter bernie about her weight um mr john Klasky, played by adam sandler is a chef at a nice restaurant in l.a um, John and Deb are having some relationship problems, mostly due to Deb's treatment of Bernice, um, because Bernice has some self-esteem issues, probably because of how she's dealing with her mom. Uh, and, you know, meanwhile, John is trying to help her with, like, her <laughs> history. It, it seems to imply that maybe Bernie has, like, she might even have dyslexia. Because mm. when she reads a newspaper later, John says he read that really well. Anyway. Yeah. I like, actually, that they didn't harp on it. And it's just, like, him trying to support her. Mm -hmm. And they don't, like, make it a big plot point. I thought that was nice. Yeah, I thought that was nice, too. Um, Floor intervenes when Deb buys clothes for Bernie that are too small. Uh, Floor ta tailors them and takes them in. Or, sorry, takes them out so uh, Bernie can fit into them. And in the meantime, Deb hooks up in more ways than one with a realtor for a summer home on the beach, and she forces Flora to move in with him, too, by essentially threatening her job. Like, if you don't move in with us, there's nothing we can do. Yeah. I mean, you, and she needs this job, basically. It's and, way more money than she'd ever been paid before. And it's too far to take buses, and moving in means that her daughter has to move in, too, which is important. Yeah. And up to this yeah. point, they didn't even know she had a daughter. She was very private about it. Yes. Flora moves Christina in with them, and Deb starts doing lots of things without Flora's permission, such as going on shopping trips, dyeing her hair, etc. Um, which pisses Flora off. <laughs> and and Deb doesn't seem to realize what the problem is. She's like, why can't she just be cool about it? She's being very, why is everyone against me? Um, I think yes. she might have even said those words. Yes. Um, man, I just, oh, I hated her so much in this movie. Yeah. Which means, like, it was a really good portrayal, basically. 
but mm-hmm. like I've I've known so many people like this um, that it, it just like viscerally made me quickly angry. Oh yeah, I I've known so many people like this too, and I you know some personal family experiences. Anyway, um, you know she's also doing this right in front of Bernie, who she has not done anything really nice for yes. <laughs> ever in this whole movie. Um, they uh, made John- a big uh, earlier in the movie. They made a big scene of her buying clothes for Bernie and then them being not a size too small and it was actually a disappointment and then she just brings this other girl out for a fun trip with no like ulterior motive yeah well other than this is is. a skinny pretty girl whereas her daughter is portrayed as not skinny and pretty Mm -hmm. uh john also intervenes um and i'm calling it intervening because that's what that's the word flora uses Mm -hmm. uh john also intervenes by giving christina 640 dollars for scavenging for sea glass which he had promised all the kids um which makes him and flora have a big fight i do want to point out in this scene john that's his name right john yeah yeah john offers his children and this other kid money for every piece of uh sea glass they get because he was gonna use it at his store and he what he's a restaurant not a store yeah, I mean, restaurants just a kind of store for food, um, but anyway, uh, but his kids don't really try and don't care about money, and then she brings home a shitload of sea glass and ha- ends up having to pay her six hundred forty dollars, and he didn't expect that much. Yeah, which he expected fifty dollars tops, which Flora still still thought was like a lot. Yeah, um, I mean, again, I do understand. Uh, the issue in this but it did make me think that it was a funny situation and that like i really uh felt for john in this whole thing oh i did too yeah because he also is coming from a place of privilege but we'll talk about that in a minute too yes um eventually floor learns some english and can start to have some conversations with john and the side plot is that John's restaurant has been visited by a critic from new york city and he's been awarded four michelin stars um, and which then, makes him th- and actually called the greatest chef in the world. Yes, and everyone's very happy for him, but he's not because he wants his restaurant to still be like a neighborhood thing, mm-hmm. and he wants like to be able to take in walking clients and stuff. Um, yeah. He takes Floor there after he finds out that his wife has been cheating on him for the past eleven weeks with their realtor, and they kiss and they have a really nice time and. Um, Flor tells him that she loves him, but she quits her job anyway and, and leaves, taking Christina with her, um, who is extremely upset to be taken from her new fancy life in private school. But Christina and her mother reconcile quickly, like, on their walk back home, like, at the bus stop after having, like, a brief fight. And she closes the essay with how the college acceptance will not define her because that identity rests in that she is her mother's daughter. Which I actually think is a very lame thing to say. As as someone who was called, you know, their father's son a lot growing up. Like, you shouldn't think of yourself as only your, your parents' kid. You're you. That's that's what you should learn. Um, but I get it. Whatever. That's fine. I do want to point out, though, um, she quits the job because Deb basically um, keeps interfering with her relationship yeah. with her daughter. And invites her to a sleepover, and she is lying that they're working on schoolwork, but actually they're just watching uh, Charlie's Angels. I think the movie when is. her when her aunt has come has been able to 
come to LA from Mexico, which is a really big deal, mm-hmm. and they're having a party, and yeah. Christina's not there. I do yeah. want to point out too that this is uh they are illegal immigrants in the movie. Yes. Um, so there is a large amount of risk at all times for them to you know oh, yeah. do stuff. Yeah, and the opportunities that you have as mm-hmm. well an undocumented immigrant, not an illegal immigrant. Yeah. My my apologies. Um I I don't believe in borders. I just use their words, which is something I shouldn't do. Yeah, the opportunities that you have as an undocumented immigrant are very slim. She's only taking jobs, you see in the beginning, that she can be paid cash in. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise she's at great risk, which is, you know, that's pretty much true. Yeah, and even this, I mean, she's uh, getting paid in cash, probably. It seems like it. Um, Yeah, she's definitely getting paid in cash. Yeah, and she's making 30 grand 33 grand a year, I think it was. Um, $650 a week. Yeah. And she treats this like the greatest sum of money anyone's ever seen, basically. They're so excited. They're finally not worrying about money. And I mean, that is, that's a decent paying job. But like, also, they live in LA. <laughs> it's pretty expensive, even if you live in kind of the lesser parts of LA. And Well, yeah. they live in the barrio. Yeah. Um, which... Deb points out and actually compares it to where she's moving, like for the summer place. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of them living in in that in that area of LA is so they can be around Flores culture. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying like it doesn't matter where you live in in LA. It is expensive. Like that's true. Their their idea of wealth is very different than. Mm-hmm. these people's um yeah they are i mean i would call it outrageously rich because anyone who lives like that kind of sucks in my mind um you know they live in a gated house um they have like three suvs i don't know how many they have this giant house with a pool and then a summer home they have a mug filled with fucking 20 dollar bills in the kitchen just in case yeah and uh like a lot of there are some there's like a 50 in there too yeah <laughs> like enough money that like it was probably like an easy grand, I'd say, just sitting there. Uh, I wouldn't call it a grand. I, it was probably a couple hundred bucks. I don't know. Easy grand. But that's not the kind of money I just have sitting in a mug. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, also, why? if you're using cash nowadays, it's better be for something illegal. Well, let's, let's talk about... Well, they are, because they're employing yeah. an undocumented immigrant, which is illegal. Um, not that it should be, but... Yeah, they just don't pay taxes. Yeah. Um... Let's talk about this um, money stuff that's happening in the movie. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of points here. We have um, gentrification and assimilation is involved, and that obviously has a lot to do with money. Mm-hmm. And you also have written down working class pride. Yes. Because, I, I mean, that's the strongest thing I uh, felt like Fleur was uh, dealing with, was the fact that her pride is her biggest commodity because she doesn't have anything else to stand up to these people with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is her only commodity. And yeah. in fact, it, it supersedes her desire to have that money. Mm-hmm. Everything, like, she even gives up the scholarship for her daughter. She uh, Her daughter got a $20,000 scholarship to go to a private school that Bernie goes to. Which but, is obviously something Deb is using to hold over her as a yes. another point of manipulation oh yeah for sure but that's also tied into that gentrification versus assimilation and assimilation thing Mm -hmm. um so the 
um, the one of the reasons why Flor says that yeah, I did pretty good that pronunciation. That she says that um, she doesn't want her daughter to go to the private school is that either she will be the odd one out or she will fit in with them, and both are not good. Yeah, and, and John says he worried about the same thing for Bernie. And that he would always prefer to be the odd one than... Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of this movie is about is about sticking to your own culture. Like, not sticking to your own culture, but, like, having pride in your own culture. Um, oh, and just in general, pride in what makes you different and not pride in what makes you the same, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, it, it shows... Uh, John specifically has a lot of pride in his cooking and his food, and he's very... They call him, like, progressive with it, and he's different and new. But he also doesn't want to become super good, because if he does, he said everyone starts putting on fake accents and acting like assholes. Um, oh, yeah. And it shows yeah. his general distaste for the, like, super high class, even though he is super upper class. But that also reminds me of the gentrification thing, because he says he wants to keep it a neighborhood thing, but as soon as people learn that it's a nice place a bunch of people start coming who can afford to wait four months for the meal or could afford to like like jack prices which is the problem with a lot of neighborhoods um in big cities these neighborhoods that were historically cheaper to live in have become gentrified because now they're cool mm-hmm. and uh... ironically though he is from new york city and is a transplant into la so just like by his very presence, that is also a form of gentrification. Yeah, and I mean, even before this uh, review, they're obscenely wealthy. They're already charging mm-hmm. a ton. They're super busy. Oh yeah, that type of thing. yes, they're, they're, they're it's a very nice restaurant. Yeah. Um. We. I mean, we just see a lot of this like aspect of gentrification too, because um, there's a there's a line that I really liked from this movie. Um, when they're leaving for Malibu, I guess is there where they're going, right? On some yes. beach that I can't remember the name of. Um, Christina's voiceover says that privately owned beauty confounds the senses. Mm-hmm. I didn't know God had a toy store for the rich. Yeah, that's... I also, I found that funny because it's such a... It's, it's like a obviously bad child view of how great it is to be rich when, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think that foreshadows the fact that she, she becomes very worried about keeping as part of like the upper rich white area. And it's, it's oh, very Car- interesting to see how she reacted to that. Carbon Beach was the name of the beach. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I I totally get it though, because the places where she's lived before have been marked by poverty Mm -hmm. and then going into the this beachfront neighborhood where like she says like the ocean is their backyard i mean that oh i hate i hate that thing about america and about like rich people in general yeah is their buying up of this beautiful land especially private beaches that should belong to everybody especially when it's a bunch of white rich people and in the meantime the hispanic a lot of the hispanic population is living in poverty when that is land that was 
like even traditionally that was owned by Mexico for a very long time. It used to be Mexico. Yeah. You know? I, I mean it's just kind of frustrating. My my point of view on it too is like <laughs> the the idea of these people privatizing something, um, in my mind, skateboarding is always what comes to mind with this. Uh-huh. And like skating on public property and then them saying, like, you can't do that here. And they're like they make up excuses of why it's not allowed, but like it's always them just not wanting kind of poor hoodlums around. Like that's always what it felt like and that's really what it is. At one yeah. point I might have believed that they were worried I was gonna get hurt on their land and then sue them, but I didn't have the resources to sue them and they knew that. Like Yeah. Yeah. It's the excuses they'll make to keep stuff theirs and to keep the other out is fucking wild. Yeah, it's... I think that this movie is making a very strong point about gentrification and and that it is it is unfair. It is inherently unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, it, it doesn't really delve into it as much as I would probably like because it does mostly, like, their, their primary themes are these themes of family. Mm-hmm. And, and communication kids. and how that and works, communication. I think. Yes, I think communication was what they were trying to hit on the most, especially because the movie's called Spanglish. Yeah, and the first act of the movie, you know, like, the the two most main characters can't even communicate. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's also, though, um, the, even, like, the assimilation theme and, and communication are tied in. Yeah. Because when Flor starts learning oh. English... It's English learning English costs five ninety nine five hundred and ninety nine dollars and twelve monthly installments of like fifty six dollars or whatever it was. Yeah. Also and can I remind you of Deb's line before that? She yeah, she it? asked someone, How do you say in Spanish you're going to have to learn English? Yeah. Because she didn't want to learn Spanish to talk to her and I'm just like, Oh man Yeah, that's it, the thing. None of the characters learn Spanish. Yeah. Zero of them do. Everything is, con- like, when it is through the lens of Spanish, it's constantly translated, which is why I like that the movie didn't give us subtitles for Spanish. Yes, I thought that was ever good. Yeah. So I think that they, you would get a lot more out of it if you spoke Spanish, but maybe not too much, because mm-hmm. Jackie watched this with me, uh, with us. Our, my sister uh, was there, um, and she speaks, un- she speaks enough Spanish to kind of get around. So every once in a while, she would, like, translate a little bit for me. Um, but I still, like, I don't think that that necessarily helped with any deeper theme. You might just get some snippets of, uh, of like, phrases that Flora uses. That's all. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't necessarily even think the movie was written by uh, a Spanish fluent person. Yeah. And I, I don't think that was needed. Um, I mean, not... It probably would have been better if it was, but I wouldn't know either way because I don't speak Spanish. What I'm saying is, due to the translation, is there any Spanish like jokes or insight you would get? Probably not because it was written by a white dude who probably yeah. doesn't speak Spanish. If it was if, written if, by a Spanish person, I would assume there would be interesting things there. Yeah, I think that there there's so much interesting stuff you can do with translation. And especially, like, there's a scene where Flor is having an argument with John through Christina, Mm -hmm. and um, she is asked to communicate things exactly. 
Yes. But as she, like, she's even mimicking the gestures of her mother. Mm -hmm. But also she starts translating for John, too. And I, like, if you were a good linguist, you could probably do some very interesting things with the communication there and how things are being translated. Yeah. Um, but I doubt that there's anything profound there. It'd be super cool if there was, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's one thing that they could have done if they really wanted this to be a little bit more about communication. They could have done that. Yeah. I don't think linguistics yeah. was a huge theme in it, though. Um, no, no, but no, no. I do, I do want to talk, because I saw people mention this, um, the, the way people communicate in this movie, and a lot of people seem to think it was stilted and strange, and I was like, yeah, it was really good that way, because when, when people, let me think of a good way to say this, when people, especially people in a bad relationship, are talking about something, there is times they could be talking about one thing, but talking about another thing. And in one of the best scenes of this movie, when uh, John and Deb are dealing with the fact that Deb had been cheating on him, he yeah. keeps talking in a way around the issue because he doesn't want to ask direct questions and he doesn't really want to know because he knows it'll like, just hurt more. But he there is things he like kind of needs to know. And I really liked how they did this um it felt as a weird dude pretty realistic to me <laughs> no i and, really like that scene too because it also hit home that that communication how communication is garbled not when you're speaking a different language but when you have different points of view on something yeah and like and when you have different goals Deb her goal in that is to just like if we talk about it everything will be fine if I give you all the details, everything will be okay. Yeah. That's just not how things work. And one of the things I really liked is she said, if we just talk and talk all night until we're exhausted, until we hate each other, until there's nothing left to say, it'll be the first step out of hell. And she's shown jogging and running very fast to a lot of it, being a like stamina person. Yeah. And John communicates subtly and like with grace. And he's shown, you know, because he's making very delicate well-made food throughout the thing that's who he is and it's just so interesting seeing this like this i'm gonna keep going no matter what person hitting the wall of this person trying to gently talk about a subject and they transition into the scene next where floor and john are like they go to their to his restaurant and they have a genuinely pleasant date mm -hmm. and they have a nice conversation they just sit there and talk uh i mean they make out a little bit but they don't have sex yeah and uh the, the daughter says that it was her mom's what like the greatest conversation of her life was that what she said it was yes and um, you made a joke that like nah they definitely they definitely banged but yeah and just didn't tell the daughter um, I think the point is that it's like it's the opposite of that scene that we'll talk about later, um, <laughs> or we can talk about now if you want yeah, to. I do want to. I do want to say though, I saw someone make a Reddit post that said, "Why didn't John and Floor just fuck?" And it was the funniest question ever. Um, and I mean, the answer is because John is married and is worried about his family and yeah. realizes it's something he can't do, even if it's and something Flora he wants also to do. has. Flora also has children, a uh, child, you yeah. know, she, that she has to take care of. They, they legitimately. She, already, she yeah. already had one husband leave her, so. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And it's funny because John assumed she was widowed. Which yeah. It <laughs> says that's the only way a man would leave you. Um, but yeah, let's talk about that scene where I laughed, I think, seven times. It was so good. So when John gets this four-star, uh, he's the greatest chef in the world review, Deb reacts by like pushing him into the bedroom. She's in her workout clothes still. She just came in from a run. Yeah, and she runs hard. It's no no yeah. light jogging. Uh, she I wrote down, she's a white woman Terminator, um, about how she jogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> she's uh, like yelling left, left. Yeah, and she just like rips the buttons off his shirt. She's like ripping her clothes off and getting them stuck on her, and then she just like violently comes on top of him while he does nothing <laughs> and he's even saying like oh i guess you can just go alone huh like uh-huh. and it's such a awkward like it's so awkward like you know they're not last in the movie in this scene is and do you know what's fucked up hmm. multiple times i saw people say that the relationship with sandler and uh flora didn't really make sense to them do to the sexual chemistry between him and Deb. Well, they're probably children. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's sexual chemistry, I'm I'm really fucking up right now. Yeah, it, that is um. They're just com- it. They're two completely different people. It makes me really wonder, like, how and why they got together. Well, they met in college. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. They'd... And people change so much from college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, what what do you think John did in college? Probably wasn't a successful chef, because that's not what you really go to school for. Yeah. And what does she do? She doesn't do anything, does she? Uh, she's about to be into interior design. Oh, another one of those, huh? Yeah. I was going to say that this movie is almost like Dickie Roberts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot of ways, but I don't want to talk about Dickie Roberts anymore. Yeah. This movie does have a lot to talk about. And and I kind of see where that one review is going, where there's like a lot of stuff. But I like that there's some, just yeah. some stuff in the background, just to color these characters and make it seem like a real family. Like there are the cute little scenes where Deb's mom lives with them, and she sings. She used to be a singer and sold records and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she sings songs to Georgie, their son. Um, so her grandson, when he has a nightmare, so his nightmares are productive, and. I just like I think that's a, like really cute little behind the scenes backwards thing. Yeah, that and, and I think the grandma's role in this is very important because she's portrayed in the beginning kind of as a callous alcoholic older woman mm-hmm. um who you think is going to be nasty um and then when Deb's not looking she signals how much she should get paid so that Flora can get the job cuz she likes her. Um and yeah. then she's a constant ally of Everyone, not in a bad yes. playing sides, but literally, she's there to support anyone who needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is there first and foremost for her daughter, of course, which is how you should be. I mean, um, but she she says something like, "My issue is I love everyone," and does not like she forces her infidelity to come into the light. Yes, she's not like I'm going to protect my daughter from everything. It's uh. You know, I'm going to force her to become a better person type thing. Yeah. I'm not going to let her cheat on someone else she loves, basically. But I was going to say that the movie even kind of makes... It, it mentions that 
there are background things happening in in the movie like especially with the grandma because her name is evelyn Mm -hmm. when she confronts deb about deb's infidelity she says i quit drinking not that anybody noticed yeah (laughs) because it's she has her own life that's going on in the background of all of this and i love her her response was if no one noticed i quit drinking i didn't need to quit in the beginning anyhow which yeah i found fun but i just She's like a fully rounded character. Mm-hmm. You can tell that she's had this complicated life because Deb says that she was an alcoholic and promiscuous in her formative years, in Deb's formative years. So we know that there's like this conflict well, also between Deb and and Evelyn. I think And I don't I don't think that you have to like I think that it is true because Evelyn does not protest that. Yes. But also Deb will strike out and blame anyone else for anything oh, she yeah. does that yes. is shown throughout the whole thing um oh yeah when when like she's obviously doing something wrong she'll be like i I don't understand why everyone's doing this i i think maybe because in my mind having seen this kind of situation happen before if someone says something like that you, there's no use to argue they no they won't care they don't no. care what you're saying um i mean if you're gonna blame your issues on someone else you know, that's not, they, mm-hmm. it's better not to care. In fact, she sees herself as someone who's doing a lot of good for other people. Yes. She's giving, she's giving Bernie motivation to lose the weight by buying her clothes are too small. She is helping out Flor by moving her from the barrio to Carbon Beach. She's yeah. helping out christina by giving helping her get a scholarship to this private school so in her in her mind oh gosh she just plays like the perfect white liberal lady she she does such a good sandra bullock in the blind side yeah i i I mentioned it while we were watching the movie but like she reminded me of the like worst mother from my middle school i went to like a rich middle school um Mm -hmm. being the poor one there and there's this woman who made her daughter put on self-tanner every day before school Ugh. because she was too pale. I just remember being like, that's really fucked up. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I think that this movie, I mean, it's definitely about raising kids, but it's very specifically about these mother-daughter relationships. Mm-hmm. Because Georgie is not a player in this movie. Yeah, that's the, the, the boy. Yeah, he's just not a player in the movie. He's also pretty young. He's just there living life, you know. I oh. mean, and he has a relationship with your grandma, but he's just out there living I, life. I do have a question for you. What do you think uh, Georgie did when he was in trouble in the beginning of the movie? Oh, good question. I don't know. They never say. I would guess that um, he was sailing his little paper boat in the street when he wasn't supposed to. Oh, fuck. I, I didn't get the reference for a sec. I just I I had to do a horror movie reference yeah. since this one this movie had none, yeah. <laughs> other than the horror of uh, Tia Leone's at, uh, orgasm. Oh my! <laughs> it is the it is she's screaming she's hitting them, she's fucking and well, then my she, favorite thing is and then she immediately when, cries. <laughs> yeah, I know. But when she gets on top of Adam Sandler, he's he pats her abs and says, "Yeah, that's a mother of two. and it's just. So that would be a mood killer for me. Uh, I, doesn't matter how fit I was. If anyone like patted me like, ooh, nice, nice muscles there when I was trying to have sex with them, it would just not, not work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the whole point is that he's invisible for that. She's 
trying oh, yeah. to fuck his image of the best chef in the world, not like yes. a person. Yeah. And yet, gosh, the parenting's I find very interesting in this. Um, because like uh, Tia Leone obviously does you know liberal white mom very well. Um, mm-hmm. and it it hurts to watch, but also they they show that Flora is uh not perfect in this. Yeah. Um, and there's a good scene where she yells at John, and then John's like, "Well, wait, you did the same thing, and you interfered with me raising my child. Like, why are you so angry?" And then they're just mm-hmm. like, you're right. Like, sorry. <laughs> like, that's like kind of the end of it. But and he's shocked that she said, you're right. <laughs> I think it's about that communication, you know, mm-hmm. um, when you think that your method of doing something, your goal is this thing. Your goal is what's good for your child. And you're talking to another parent and what they think is good for your child People, I'm assuming, because I don't have kids, but I can imagine, when you project that onto their kids, you're, you know, you're going to have some conflict there, even if you both have really good intentions for them. I think the only one who, even Deb has good intentions for her daughter, but Mm. they're just horrible good intentions. Well, one of the things that they show, um, there's a quote from Floor, which is, is it so bad that you would grow up to be like me and Uh each parent is trying to teach their children to be like them yes um which is like for flourish strong and independent for deb it's uh, i guess skinny being attractive and attractive being attractive because the only compliment she ever gives both christina well that she ever gives christina and that she ever um um like insults bernie about is like oh she's gorgeous isn't she or yeah like you need to lose weight even the first time she meets flora she calls her gorgeous and then when she thanks her the grandmother says that's more of an accusation than a compliment yeah um as in she should have been able to find something due to her beauty and already be in a good situation um Mm -hmm. and it seems to be what deb is it wants to be known for i think Oh, yeah, and I she's think, also super competitive, too. Yes, whereas, like, John specifically doesn't want to win and also isn't, you know, isn't doesn't care super hard about looks, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, like, she's not getting what she wants out of him, and he doesn't, you know, fake it. Well, and that, I love that with um, the scene that you hated is when Deb gets in the car with Mike the realtor and the black eyed peas, let's get it started place. Mm-hmm. And she's in the convertible and the guy, like you don't, it doesn't really show Mike. It doesn't show the realtor really. Yeah. You see his face like once and her hair is flying all over the place. She says, I'm just never going to be one of those women whose hair looks perfect in a convertible, but he manipulates the car and the windows. So her hair does float back. And that's what she wants. She wants that image. Yeah. Um, and the and the parallel scene is when Flor has had, like, she comes down onto the beach and takes John with her to, like, ask, like, what is she supposed to do about her daughter going to this private school? And she stands in the wind, and it's just naturally like that for her. And John says, damn it, get out of the wind, because she's looking too beautiful, basically. And yeah. it's just her natural state. Yeah, the the fact that that's not really what he cares about. Um, it is interesting. Also, like, I hated that scene because, like, there is a certain type of person 
who like if you're in a convertible and like get your hair perfect and drive around like that's gonna make you want to fuck and i think that's the worst type of person (laughs) yeah that's just true people who get horny at cars i i just can't stand man i can't do horny car people well i wish that i had a better transition into this next theme then well talking about horny cars latin machismo latin machismo Machismo, machismo, I don't know. Is I think it's machismo in Italian, maybe? I don't know. I, uh, there's a second M in there for me. But I mean there's a second M. Machismo. Yeah, there's another, there is another M. Okay. <laughs> okay, um, what now, though? <laughs> but yeah, so there's this thing with Flora and John where she talks about how he's emotional. Um, and he's like a, a Mexican woman. Um, and that he would be, like, kind of made fun of in normal Latin machismo s- stuff, um, mm-hmm. culture, maybe. And I find it very funny because in the beginning, it seems that that's what she would prefer. But near yeah. the end, it doesn't really seem like that. Whereas, like, Deb does want the Latin machismo, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish I could comment more on that. But I don't really have much to say on that topic other than she mentions, Flor mentions that she is being upset, not angry at John, but angry for herself. Like, allowing herself to process her feelings is a virtue in and of itself. Yeah, one thing we forgot to mention is the movie starts with a lot about how when she is left for the first time, she doesn't let her daughter see her cry even though her daughter can hear it and but she never mm-hmm. she pretends that she never hears her mom cry and there's yeah. this whole thing um which is mirrored later when bernie hears her mom cry for 6 hours straight and comes yeah. to john uh and looking for comfort because her mom's been crying for 6 hours straight saying like i hope he comes back um, yeah making bernie think you know like is my dad gone forever yeah it's this the, the family in this movie is a mess and I wonder, like, like, is John going to stay with Deb? I hope not. I hope he divorces her. I think it's the right move that, that John and Fleur don't get together. Yeah, I thought that was a, a smart move. I know a lot of people seem to have not liked it, but, like, it makes so much more sense. Like, it would be weird and kind of gross to have John and Fleur have this relationship where he was technically her boss. And then they yeah. get together and they're pushing families together while he's going through a divorce. And instead, she keeps her independence and keeps her strength. Because that would have been a cop-out to her whole story of, like, I don't want to have this white woman run my life. I agree. Plus, I said before, not on this podcast, but I have said before, that I don't like movies where the boss and the worker get together, Mm -hmm. like Sound of Music, where the the boss and the nanny... Yeah, me neither, because I don't want to watch it, because I don't want to watch a musical (laughs) where... (laughs) where the boss gets together with the nanny it's weird um but there's a line when they're in the restaurant having their their date essentially Mm -hmm. their first and last date adam sandler kisses her and he says she tells him to stop because they're not gonna have sex he says you're right we can't do anything that brings us any satisfaction or release but i'm still having a great time yeah. So this acceptance and this acknowledgement that, like, not everything is going to have a perfect ending, a, mm-hmm. a satisfactory movie ending, 
And I love that they had Hans Zimmer as the like the composer for this movie because Hans Zimmer can give you those musical beats to like pump up your expectations. So you're expecting this ending to be one way. You're expecting John and, and Flora to get together. But that's not the kind of movie it is. It's much more realistic in that way. And yeah. also, I like that line because it foreshadows the ending. That it's not a satisfactory re- release at the end. Yeah. Hey, uh, you want you want to have a special fun corner called The Alt-Right Reviews This Movie? Uh, yes. Can you please read one of these alt-right reviews? By the way, yeah. the alt-right is just white supremacy. Yes. And white supremacy is bad. Mm-hmm. Guising itself as a family comedy, Spanglish is an incredibly offensive film that promotes prejudice and intolerance against white America. The story follows a Mexican single mother who came to America illegally with her daughter <laughs> and takes a job as a housekeeper to a rich white family in L.A., but she soon becomes concerned that her job is leading her daughter to become Americanized. The not-so-subtle message being, don't accept help from the white man, and resists integration with American culture. The mother is portrayed as heroic for tearing her daughter away from her white friends and for rejecting a scholarship for her daughter to attend a private school. Meanwhile, the white family is shown to be a debaucherous with fat, lazy children, a cheating wife, and a weak-willed husband. Uh, This film fails them as the characters are written to serve this heavy-handed political message. Propagandist tripe, Spanglish, is shameless and insulting. I love the idea that this was propaganda. Yeah, that's... Okay. <laughs> What's funny? One and a half stars. <laughs> hey! Still pretty good, though, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you get one and a half. <laughs> um, I, I started reading more alt-right reviews. I see why they made this movie a comedy, because the actual white Spanish third world elitist undertones were absolutely horrid. If the movie were done with an all-white cast taking out the Spanish part, then it wouldn't have been so damn demeaning. <laughs> maybe make the Flor Marengo, the Mexican mother character, the wife's sister instead of a Mexican immigrant. That's wild. I'm up in the stars for this movie just because of those reviews. Anything that pisses off a white supremacist is good. Like, I don't know, I'm just reading like bits from like Rotten Tomatoes, but like, what do you mean make the other character a white woman? Would you just call the movie Eng- English? <laughs> Englishish? English. Like, what? <laughs> It's such an utterly... It's just a different movie about white families hanging out. Anyway. There are a couple other things I want to talk about with this movie. And that has to do with... um, There are three things. The cultural divide, the racing scene, and the recurring motif of glass. Um, It starts off... When she walks into the glass wall. Uh, Yes. So it is right when... It's a glass door, but um, the the voiceover that Christina has is after all her time in America, finally entering a foreign land. White America beckoned. She stepped across the cultural divide, and then Monica hits her face in the glass. Uh, the glass is so clear as they're looking through to this idealization of a white family in California in L.A. They don't see that there is a barrier between them. The second time this motif shows up 
is when we see that uh, we see Flor and Christina at a restaurant, and there are two white guys behind what I had originally thought was a mirror, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but turned out to be like some dirty glass. Here, the glass is very dirty, uh, but there's still a cultural divide between these two white men and then Christina and Flor. Uh, they buy Flor a drink, and she's like, "No, what are you talking about? I'm here with my daughter." Mm-hmm. Like, this, this this separation between the two cultures. And we see this over and over again with the glass. The sea glass becomes a, um, a point of contention between uh, John and Flor because uh, Christina picked it up and was going to get paid for it. And then we get the uh, racing scene. Uh, so there's a scene where... I don't remember like where it is placed in the movie, but Flor is walking and Christina... It, or, it, sorry, it's Christina. when they first have to send the kids to the private school. Right, thanks. Deb... Oh yeah, because they had met at the bus stop. Mm-hmm. Deb is running and um, uh, Flor starts running too. And it's this kind of weird scene. Like, why is Flor running? It's almost like she's being chased by Christina, but it turns out like she's like trying to beat her to the house. And the... Do you remember what makes deb run faster and beat floor to the house um i remember her yelling she did track in college she says she did track in college but the thing that gets her running faster is and that like where she like finally like wins the race and floor gives up is deb sees that they're delivering her table and it's just a big glass table oh interesting um so it's this idea that like floor cannot compete basically she's also running in heels in this scene um and uh christina or that's sorry not christina deb yells i love you for trying mm-hmm. after she wins like like it's this mannerism like like huh are aren't they so cute for trying to be on our level yeah mm-hmm. I, I i just thought that that was very interesting um, there are a couple other scenes where glass comes into play too. Um, when um, John finds out that Deb has cheated on him, and then he goes downstairs and he's going to take Floor home. Mm. Um, Deb is looking down at them from upstairs, but she can't get the window open. She can't. Get, it's just like a window panel. Yeah. So there's a divide there between him and her, and there's just a lot of this. And then the final scene, we have um, uh, the bus stop is also a glass panel. The bus stop where Flor mm-hmm. and uh, Christina have their final, like, like is it going to be so bad to grow up to be like me um, confrontation. So I think this, this glass at once represents clarity, um, but also an invisible division. Yes. Uh, also. Oh, also John, tresp- he... he, he transgresses beyond the glass at one point and that's when we start seeing him much more on Flora's side and having communication with her she's sitting and listening to her english tapes and he sees her um, from he's outside and she's inside and he comes into her space at that point i just thought that was very an interesting uh, yes thing that and uh at one point that glass she originally hit her face on they put yeah. a decal of a yellow family on yes which was it's, it's maybe on the nose. 
Yeah, um, and I just think that, that that's symbolism that ties into the cultural divide theme and the and the assimilation theme that they're going into. I just thought it was very... Yeah. Oh, another thing that I wrote down for this one, too, is that at the restaurant, um, John pours, I think it's vodka. Yes, right? it is. A... In a clear, it's clear, puts it in a clear glass. And I think that's also like this idea of clarity because Flo mm. turns it down and says like, just stick your head in, is what she says. Yeah, stay clear. Um, yeah, it's Ciroc, it's so cool. which is actually a, a like a pretty damn good vodka for the price, even though it is expensive. I understand, hmm. but it in my mind that showed that he drinks good stuff, but not like being bullshit. Yeah, that's what Ciroc is to me. Well, overall, though, I don't think we can. We can't. I can't give Adam Sadler the credit for the really cool glass motifs. I can't give him credit for the script. No. I can't give him credit for his character. I will say, though, he did specifically take this movie over a movie where he's a taxi driver who drives Mm -hmm. around a serial killer. He he chose to be in this movie on purpose. Yeah, and I think he did a really good job in it. I think that he was very... I like him in his dramatic roles, like I said. Mm -hmm. And I like seeing him be a sweet person because we saw him be a sweet person in a couple of the last movies, too. And I mentioned that um, in Fifty First Dates, our recording for Fifty First Dates, he's just it's nice to see him in that kind of sentimental type role. Yeah. Um, A few little things, I think, from this movie, too. Uh, Deb says I love you to everyone on the cast except for John, which is very funny. Um, but shows oh i didn't notice that yeah yep um he even says you love me and she slams the door when they fight in the beginning oh she also says i like you to him when they're having sex yes yeah um just some interesting stuff um yeah the comments from the people that work beneath john at the restaurant are great there's this one girl who is cracking you up who says like i every word you said is perfect and i want those ideas to be mine um, which is like great, you know, on the nose yeah. stuff. So um, and then the other guy was having an actual conversation with him. Um, it was very mm-hmm. interesting to see. Uh, and I think Sarah Steele, fucking great actor for being. Who's that, Sarah Steele? The uh, Bernice, Bernie. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Super well done. Oh yeah. She did great. Yeah. I, I wish that. Part of me wishes that this movie were longer, or that it even had two parts, so they could do more with some of the stuff that they had in it. Mm-hmm. I think the movie was constructed very well with like the parallelism between some of the different scenes, and and they had those beautiful motifs, and I think that it had a, it had a very clear message, and it actually had a couple deeper themes while still feeling like a very real movie, like a, like a real family. I just think that they did pretty good, but the framing device ruined it for like yeah. i didn't like that. I, I mean i don't uh, it, saying it ruined it is going too far for me I, yeah that's why i corrected myself yeah like, i didn't like it it's without that i think it's like an extremely good movie yeah before that like even if they had her if they had her as an undergrad talking about like an undergrad at princeton taking like some kind of like sociology course and that's a paper she's writing for it would have been so good. Like, something like See, that. I, I felt like we didn't need the voiceovers from Christina at all. Yeah. It, it was a little, the, it, eh. it The parts where she was doing it, it made it feel cheesy and ham-fisted. Mm-hmm. We didn't need her to say, 
here she was, stepping out of... You could have had a little bit of dialogue to explain why they went to L.A. instead of Texas. You didn't need the stepping through the cultural divide voiceover. You didn't need that. <laughs> yeah, it made it too easy. And, you know, now... Mm-hmm. Like, it's funny because a lot of people said that this movie is extremely subtle. I'm like, no, it wasn't. No, it's not. No, no. People fucking don't know what subtle the is. Yeah. They're just racist. No. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, it's just like a white woman being overtly shitty and knowing yeah. she can be because the person is, you know, quote unquote beneath her. I do like that Drew Barrymore was in this movie, though. What? In Charlie's Angels. Oh, fuck. You got me there. Um, also, that egg sandwich he made looks uh. so fucking good. I want it. Oh my god. I want to eat it. Um, I've seen so many people comment about it online. Like, oh. <laughs> yes. It was a memorable sandwich. Also, well, if if anyone cares to try to talk shit about what I said about Ciroc, I know it's made by 50 Cent. I don't care that's brand that way. It's good. Get over it. A lot of people talk shit about that back when I ran a bar, too. It's one of the better vodkas out there. I don't care about your opinion. I just read in my notes another one of those voiceover lines that, again, like, slaps you in the face with what it's trying to say, what the movie's trying to say, mm-hmm. when it could have been said so much better without the voiceover. Masters in service, servants unconsciously dancing in lockstep. So when things go wrong, traumas converge. You didn't need to tell us that. We could have watched the movie and figured it out for ourselves. Sometimes this movie treats the audience like they're too ignorant to to know what's happening in the movie that they're currently watching. I don't know, man. 16 years ago in America? Fair. I mean... Fair. Okay, well... Who knows? What are we watching tomorrow? We're watching The Longest Yard. A. And this is a movie that I have seen. And I haven't. Um, I have learned it's a remake of a Burt Reynolds movie, and it's about prison football. I remember thinking, due to the trailers of this movie when it came out, I wouldn't like it, but that's because I was, uh, I don't know, there was just like a lot of ludicrous in the movie, and back then he was just a rapper, not in Fast and the Furious, and now I like him. <laughs> so. But ludicrous is not in this movie. I no, his out. music Nelly is, though. is in this movie. Ludicrous has songs in the movie, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. And I've, was, I've seen Nelly there. live, so. Well. It was at a Taylor Swift concert, which I snuck into. <laughs> In Texas. That was a good one. Anyhow. Uh, you can find our podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter. And you can find our games at wannabegames.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wannabegames. But instead, why don't you take your money and give it to the Bail Project or to another similar bail fund near you. Support a community project. Yeah. Preferably uh, your community. <laughs> yes. The Bail Project will will serve the community at large, um, but, I mean, do some research into where your money's going, and I recommend the Bail Project specifically because it will directly help fight racial injustice in the United States and support the protesters uh, marching for Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I want to shout out to all of our Kickstarter backers for Moonpunk who decided to help donate with us which we matched and we ended up donating $658 to the bail fund project uh just yesterday so yeah thanks thank you really thank cool you cool of you guys super cool of you uh you can see me tweet wildly political rants at at joska 
And if you want to know more about Yu-Gi-Oh! at Kitty Crusade. I, I can't think of a good transition other than, oh, you know what my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh! card is? Pot of Take My Wife, please. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you activated my trap card. <laughs> mm, Yu-Gi-Oh! <boy. laughs>